Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Hello there, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach, and welcome to Mama Truth Monday. Delighted and excited to be here with you today to talk about your brain on parenting and your brain on motherhood and what is going on in our brains as mamas and what's going on in our children's brains. And so as I was, I'm just so all of you know, I'm actually kind of an, um, a brain science junkie. I find it absolutely fascinating to understand how the wiring of our brains impacts us and how we can actually rewire our brains. And I'm also totally fascinated and completely curious about how we can really build neural pathways in our children from a young age. I feel like we have such an incredible opportunity as moms to shape neural pathways in our brains and um, the brains of our children that will really serve them to be loving, compassionate in the world, kind human beings in the world, and loving and compassionate and kind with themselves. And so as I was pondering this topic, I um, remembered my dear friend, Natasha Kazanov, who is a neuroscientist. She actually was born in St. Petersburg, Russia, um, and she's a recovering neuroscientist, as she likes to say. And she is an amazing woman, and I'm so excited for us to really learn from her and her wisdom today. She's an associate professor at UCSF. And she's a licensed psychologist, and she has a PhD in neuroscience and neuropsychology, and also um, does a lot of work as a forensic um, expert in a lot of uh, mostly uh, capital murder cases. And she has assisted attorneys in over 80 cases in over 20 years to talk about the brain and how it is impacting people that sometimes are even on death row. So she knows her stuff. That's really the bottom line. You can check out her website at natashakazanov.com. And I will put that in the notes because her name is a little tricky to spell. And with that, Natasha, thank you so much for being here with us today. Are you there? I'm here. Yay. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so thrilled. And we're also going to talk about smart parenting, which is um, something that's newer that Natasha is really bringing out into the world that I know all of you mindful, conscious mamas are going to love hearing about. So Natasha, will you tell us just a little bit about your story and how you ended up coming here to the States from Russia and what really has inspired you to create the SMART methodology? Well, I came to the U.S. 25 years ago, fleeing Russia at the beginning of its end. It was not a friendly place to be, and honestly, I decided to immigrate because of my son. I wanted him to have a better life here in the U.S. So I came to the U.S. in 1990. I was a professor of neuroscience and neuropsychology at the university, working in the neurosurgical department. Poking in the brain. I loved the brain. I was so fascinated with the brain. And I felt I was sacrificing my career and profession to bring my son into the better country. Mm. Well, it didn't work out the way I thought. <laughs> Professionally, it worked out much better than I expected. 
Um, my fantasy was that I will never be able to be a professor again because my English is not my native language. I did speak English, however, but not very fluently. And I had to go through a lot of retraining. Um, I was hired at UCSF because of my expertise in neuroscience. But they needed me to do therapy, and honestly, I hated therapy. What happens when you talk to people? What happens to their brain? At that time, I didn't know about neuroneurons. They have not been discovered yet. Wow. Know about how we can rewire people's brains by just being in the compassionate space with them. Mm. So lo and behold, I fell in love with doing therapy and discovered that knowing the brain helps me to be a more effective therapist. 25 years down the road, I realized that what I do in therapy sometimes is I reparent my clients. Mostly I work with very educated, sophisticated, smart people who come to see me because they're struggling, because they feel vulnerable. And what I explore with them a lot of times are self-defeating and self-limiting beliefs that have, they have developed in their lives. And then we have to help them change those beliefs and learn how to be more resilient and happier. And at some point in time, I realized, hmm, maybe I can do something as a professional to help parents be more effective in the first place. That's where I'm at now. Yes, I love that, right? Because, of course, that I, I know all of you moms that are listening are like, okay, mirror neurons, A, first of all, what are those? Some of you might be thinking that, and some of you might already know about that. And then also, well, how do I rewire my self-limiting and self-sabotaging beliefs? And then, of course, that important question of how do I make it so that my children, as you were saying, Natasha, in the first place, don't have to experience so much trauma and so much um you know, self-doubt and self-sabotage and really I'll even say self-hatred and self-bullying, which I know is just so prevalent with our children and with our moms and with our society, really. So maybe we can jump back for a second. Will you just talk a little bit about, I loved what you said about the mirror neurons and about how you realized as a therapist and as a, as a psychologist that just by sitting in a compassionate space could really change the impact of being with people, being with your patients, and I know ultimately for us as moms, being with our children. Yes, Amy, you are absolutely right that there are ways of rewiring the brains by just being in this space. There is the whole field within psychology now that is called interpersonal neurobiology. Mm. That is just that, how we affect another person's brain wiring by doing certain things. So in parenting, it is really important to understand that our kids are born with incredibly underdeveloped brain, and they don't know how to think. They know how to feel, but they don't know how to think. So one of the most important, I think, factors in parenting is parenting from the inside out parenting by modeling. And yet, being a parent myself, I know how hard it is to be relaxed and how hard it is to model 
when you are pushed into so many different directions, just talking about juggling your job responsibilities and your parenting responsibilities is enough. On top of that, when you have two or three kids and they are demanding your attention, it's really, really difficult to be in the relaxed state of mind. And mirror neurons, uh, the neurons in our brain that are considered now to be the reason for empathy, um, for understanding how another person is feeling. So the brain is equipped, biologically wired, to pick up other people's feelings. So this is something that I discovered early in being a mother, how my kid was very sensitive to what was happening with me when I was what I call in the relaxed green zone. He was more likely to be also relaxed. And when I was stressed out, he was picking it up from me. At that time, I didn't know about mirror neurons. So I thought to myself, why does it have to happen today? Why does it Fuss, the fuss is happening today when I need him to be calm. <laughs> 20 years and all the reading on the neurobiology of our feelings to understand that he was just picking from me, picking up my nervous energy. So this is something that is um, my hope. I can teach mothers to be in the green zone for their own sake and for their children's sake so that their mirror neurons that are capable of tuning into their brain learn how to be in the green zone, how to be relaxed. So when we're in the green zone, when we're in that relaxed state, it, we could, our children will often reflect that. And I know mamas, all of you that are listening right now, we've had that experience so often, right? As moms, whether, you know, my, my, my almost two-year-old and my eight-year-old, it's like, especially with my two-year-old, I find that I was, I was thinking back to when I was getting on the plane um, for the very first time as a new mom and doing my very first trip. And I was by myself on a plane ride with my newborn, my oldest at the time, Annabella. And I hadn't, I hadn't traveled with a child before. And so I was so confused about like the stroller and where do I get the tag for the stroller and this and that and whatever. And it was like, I, I remember getting on the plane and I have never, I mean, like I was dripping with sweat. I had the baby in the sling. I was like the last person. I missed the pre-board. I was the last person to get on the plane. And I was, I mean, I felt my entire system, the, the opposite, right? In the red zone fight or flight going on. My brain's going wackadoodle. My baby's screaming because of course I'm panicked and I'm, I'm flying on Southwest and I, I real, and I, so I don't even have a seat. So I have to try to go and find the seat. And then I'm trying, I'm like trying to nurse and she won't latch on because I don't want her ears to pop. And it was just a total nightmare. I just get, I can feel like my body starting to tense up, just remembering it, Natasha. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it's like when you're in that moment as a mom and you're aware, so we're all aware now, we can't pretend we don't know our children, these mirror neurons are real. It's what do we do in that moment when we know we're in the red, we know that our child's reacting to that. Can you give us like something tangible that we can do in those moments as moms? Yeah. So I use this stoplight analogy. So we use two states, the green zone. This is when we are receptive and we are likely to be calm and effective yeah. at communicating, connecting with people. 
And then there is the red, and red is when we are impulsive, when we are reactive. So our brain doesn't know how to do something that I call being in the yellow zone. Yellow is pause and plan. Mm -hmm. And this is where I am offering mothers um, to learn how to be in the yellow zone before choosing how to react. It is such a beautiful story, Amy, that you told. And it is definitely a typical story. I am sure that every mother who is listening can relate to it. I have many stories like that. And what is interesting also, you are still remembering it so many years down the road. Right. And you are still having the emotional response. Yes. It's triggered by this memory. And that's how our brain learns. We have the experience and then if we continue thinking about this experience and remembering our experience, the brain will react the same way as it reacted uh, to the experience in the first place. And then it becomes your state. So we can train our brain to be either in the red zone by choosing to be in the red zone, or sometimes we feel we don't have a choice. And then thinking about being in the red zone, it kind of activates the same neurons. And then it becomes our state we create the state of anxiety or you know people who always look that they're stressed out on the other hand we can teach our brain to be in the green zone well the truth is our brain is not wired to help us relax two-thirds of our emotional brain are wired to identify negative stuff Right. Our brains were developed in the millions of years of evolution where there were more sticks than carrots. The ones who were happy and relaxed didn't make it. They received the Darwin Award, right? They were taken out of the gene pool. Yeah. Our brain is not designed really to help us be happy. And yet, the studies in positive psychology show that happy kids are more likely to be successful. So then teaching mothers how to not react, how not to go into the reactive impulsive responses is what I do. So yellow is pause and plan. And when you screwed up, which inevitably we all do, you can pause and analyze what happened. And then you can have compassion to yourself and forgive yourself for having screwed up. Yeah. But then you can learn how to do better next time. So the mantra that I give to my mothers who I work with is, I'm okay. Mm. I am enough the way I am, and I can do better next time. Mm. So being compassionate to yourself means acknowledging, yeah, I am doing the best I can at this point in time, but next time I may do better, and that's what yellow zone is, is for. I, I love that. I just want to really highlight that for everyone. So we're in that moment, whether it's getting on the plane and your kid's freaking out and you're freaking out and you know like you're just in that red zone mirroring each other to take that breath, to go into the yellow. Imagine, and I, and I love the, the analogy of the stoplight because it's almost like we can really imagine downshifting and going into that and like imagine that color of yellow, that golden light coming down on us, taking a breath pause and plan. And then I love that mantra, Natasha, of what did you say? I'm, I'm enough. I'm, I'm okay. I'm enough. And I can do better next time. Yeah. Yeah. So Beautiful. this is something that we all do. We beat ourselves up for having failed. Yes. 
exactly why we cannot do better next time because next time the trauma shows up again and it is more likely to put us in the red zone. So preparing to deal with issues that are challenging is about being mindful, being present, but also learning how to downregulate your feelings when you have time, when you don't have to fit on your uh, to think on your feet. So you have to do it before you need it. So that's why practices like mindfulness, deep breathing, tapping, um, gratitude, meditation, like many different things that take maybe three, four minutes a day are really important. I love that. I love that. And, and it's so helpful, I feel like, for us to really recognize, and I really want to highlight this for everyone, that our brains are not wired for happiness and to stay in the green zone. Our brains are not wired to be on the lookout for what's going right in our lives. And as moms, and I know from being a coach for 15 plus years, going on 16 years now, that this is so true. It's like, you know, um, as my friend um, Sam Bennett says, you know, 99 compliments and one criticism and our brains are hyper-focused on the one criticism. We do, you know, we do all these things so right as moms and then we screw up as we get on the plane or we screw up with forgetting the child's homework packet or whatever. And that's, and we just harp on that. And that's really actually the way that our brains are designed. So it's, so doing things, um, you know, like deep breathing, doing meditation in the morning, having a daily practice, having gratitude around the dinner table, having these practices in our lives is about really retraining our brains and going, you know, creating those new neural pathways that will really help us as moms. And, and really understanding and knowing that is about, um, you know, letting yourself off the hook on a certain level taking responsibility, of course, because I know all of us as moms, all of you listening here to Mama Truth Show, you know, we want to take responsibility and do our work as mamas and as human beings and also allowing ourselves to be gentle with ourselves and go easy on ourselves. And so, Natasha, that's why I love um, SMART and this um, incredible really methodology system. Will, will you talk about SMART and parenting from the inside out and parenting from modeling and what SMART with two T's stands for and how we can really start implementing that as mamas? Well, SMART is about helping your kid to develop emotional intelligence. So SMART is an acronym and S stands for SAFE. M is for mindfulness, A, attunement. R is for resilience, T is for trust, and another T is for tenacity. Mm. So I came up with this acronym because in our culture, we want our kids to be smart. About 20 years ago, there was this big hot product, Baby Einstein. Many kids were raised on Baby Einstein products. Well, the truth of it, I don't know whether it was publicized. I know it because of my uh, professional affiliations. When the kids were raised listening to the tapes and music from Baby Einstein, they were supposed to be smarter than their peers who were not exposed to it. But the truth is they were not when they grew up and their intelligence was measured, turns out that they were in disadvantage 
compared to their peers who didn't have baby Einstein products. So Disney was sued, actually. Disney that acquired the rights for baby Einstein was sued and settled a lot of lawsuits because of this. This is the truth. The kid doesn't need to be smart. The reason those kids were not smarter is because the kid needs to be feeling safe, secure, soothed, seen. And when the mother is doing something and the baby is listening to the music or the tape, she's not being touched. She's not being soothed. So Mm -hmm. smart is the way of making your kids smart but making the, by making them emotionally intelligent first. Mm, mm. Yeah, so, it's, so it's it's almost like Natasha with the baby Einstein, whether it's baby Einstein or whatever television shows or what have you, uh, thinking that watching a television show or listening to Beethoven can um, replace sitting and looking at your child eye to eye, heart to heart, cuddling with them, you know, all of those things, there was this um, false advertising in a way from that company of saying, oh, that can replace that in some way. But the truth is nothing can replace having a loving parent being close and, and soothing and with that child. Exactly. Okay. And there is nothing wrong with having the child listen to the music, but it is not something that will replace right. eye to eye and skin to skin and even better singing with your child. Yeah. So the brain needs to have another human being to develop. And if the kid is abandoned, no matter how great technology is now, it cannot replace the human being. Yeah. Yeah. Smart parents are more likely to create smart children, Mm. smart in the way I see it. So in order for the mother to make the child feel safe, she has to feel safe. Mm. So my smart is applied to the mother first. So when we are triggered, like if you were to work with me on this incident that you still so vividly remember, yeah, <laughs> you were in the red zone. Yes. Then we would have talked about it using the SMART acronym. So were you safe? Well, the problem is the three parts of our brain, the ancient 300 million year old reptilian brain and mammalian brain that is responsible for feelings of the human brain, a lot of times are in disagreement. They are arguing about who is right and who is wrong. So this acronym helps us to deal with different parts of our brain. So it's kind of the checklist for your brain behaving badly because a lot of times it's not you, it's your brain behaving badly. That will create the red zone when you want to be in the green. So the first question is for your downstairs, um, it was called downstairs brain, your ancient brain, your reptilian brain. Am I safe? Is the house burning? Mm. That is really, will necessitate me running away. You know, in your case, you wouldn't be late for the plane. That would be what would necessitate you preparing yourself to run. But you were there already. So you were safe and that you you took a little time so you could have slowed down. So the answer to am I safe then would have been, yeah, I am safe. Then just pausing and taking a few deep breaths to calm down the ancient part of your brain, the reptilian brain that wants you to outrun that saber-toothed tiger when the tiger is not there. 
just working with that part of the brain. Then mindfulness is about present, being present without judgment, disengaging the storytelling part of your brain, which is the human brain, upstairs brain. It's our judgments, it's our memories, it's our linking the past and the future to the present that a lot of times puts us in the red. So attunement is about being attuned into your own suffering, into your own vulnerability. So this is the diagnostic part. And then in order to be resilient, what I'm offering to all my clients is to learn self-compassion. The problem is 80% of us are more compassionate to other people than ourselves. Yes. So this is what your work, Amy, is about, the yes. inner mean girl. So our inner mean girls beat ourselves up. Yes. We're more likely to forgive other people, but not ourselves. There is something wrong with the problem this year, right? With the picture. When you are more forgiving of other people than yourself, while you are kind of playing on the wrong team. So learning how to be self-compassionate before you need it, engaging in the practice of self-compassion, this is a big part of parenting. And then trust is about asking this question, am I resilient enough now to be able to solve this problem? And sometimes you need to trust yourself to not trust yourself. Then the question is, who can I trust now? Like, if you couldn't trust yourself back then, you could have asked, like, flight attendants to help you with mm -hmm. or something, right? So sometimes we just need to know. When we are vulnerable, a lot of times we feel I'm all alone and we forget to ask either other people. Or sometimes you need to trust the universe that things will somehow play out to put yourself in the green zone. So this is how we kind of remedy the problem. And the last T is for tenacity. This is completely now in your human brain. It's the upstairs brain. It's about the mindset, right? Mindset, because nobody is born to know how to manage stress effectively. So mindset is about knowing, well, I may not do a good job now, but I can learn. I don't know how to do it yet. Because a lot of times we feel like, well, maybe other people are cut out to be in the green, but not me. Right. Why this way? And it is absolutely not supported by science and by what I know. Uh, as the therapist, we can rewire our brain for better functioning. And this is what motherhood is about. There is nothing as challenging and as gratifying as being a mother, in my opinion. So this is our chance then to help ourselves. And by helping ourselves, we can also raise resilient, secure, capable, responsible kids. I love that. I love that. And I, um, and I love too, in that moment, when your child's having a hard time, if you feel that sense of being in the green zone, you can then in that moment, take your child through smart as well of like, okay, are you safe? Is your body safe? Are you safe? Like allowing, like calming down that reptilian brain to let them know, as you said, the tiger's not after you. Yes, you skinned your knee. And are you safe now? And really being able to bring them into that moment, into that mindfulness of asking them. I know sometimes when 
um, Annabella, when my, when my oldest, you know, has gotten hurt or what have you, or is having a really hard time, just bringing her back to her breath, bringing her back to the moment, asking, what does it feel like in your knee? Is it, is it stinging right now? Is it, is it, tell me about it. And like as asking her to actually go into the moment and feel it can alleviate that suffering because then it's just like, it's burning a little bit, mama, it's burning. And it's like, okay, let's get a piece of ice. Let's calm ourselves down. You know, try, really allowing her to come back into the moment will, like you said, take her from the downstairs part of the brain, that place of thinking that everything is wrong, which is where we go to as moms and where we, and where our kids go to in those moments and actually bringing them back into the moment of just the truth of what is here right now. Absolutely, Amy. This is what parenting by modeling, but also by being really present and attuned into your child yeah. is about. You only can effectively connect with your child when you are in the green zone, and then you can walk them through the process of getting to know their body sensations, their feelings, where their feelings are showing up. We are not born with that. We need our parents to teach us that. And the cultural messages, unfortunately, are not very helpful when we say big boys don't cry and big girls don't cry. Or if you don't have anything nice to say to a person, don't say anything. Mm. We make this idea that feelings are not important. And yet... 95% of what happens to us happens in our emotional brain and our limbic system. So feelings are incredibly important. That's the only way we can find out who we are. Mm. So the way you deal with Annabella is beautiful because you're helping her understand that it is okay to be vulnerable. You are validating your, her feelings by being present and asking her questions. And then you're also saying to her in a way, and I have your back. I'm going to help you when you're feeling vulnerable. This is the most important parenting message, consistent message. I love it. You're feeling vulnerable and I'm going to be there to help you through it. Mm. Natasha, thank you so much. This has been absolutely fascinating. I, um, it's time for us to wrap up. I could talk to you for hours and hours, and I'd love to have you definitely come back to the show so that we can ex explore this um, even more. I just love this topic so much. And I'd love to just close by asking you, your, your son is 38 years old. You have um, grandchildren um, and also... Um, uh, stepchildren. I'm just wondering what's messy about motherhood for you right now and what's magical about motherhood and grandmotherhood for you? You know what? I think that my messy parts are over. So the mess was when I knew that I was screwing up and I was beating myself up and I was very inconsistent in my messages. Um, when I was younger, I wish I had known Back then, what I know now, I wish I had known that the brain takes 25 years to develop. So I think that now I'm much better <laughs> as a mother and as a grandmother. I feel I have now finally the tools. What is magical about parenting is I think that it is universally meaningful. Mm be kind and loving and generous. And honestly, I think that being a parent and step-parent and grandparent really taught me how to love unconditionally. Mm. 
really helped me to understand that being kind and generous is really selfish <laughs> because nothing makes me feel good better um, than when I'm really kind and generous to my kids and stepkids and my little ones, the grandchildren are two and five. And it's fun to watch them learning new things and developing. Mm, it's beautiful. so fun. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Natasha. And thank you, mamas, for tuning in to the Mama Truth Show. Until next time, where we'll be talking more about helping your children tune in to their inner wisdom. So that will be our next show. And thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you can visit us over at mamatruthcircle.com and join our free circle where you can connect with other mindful, soulful mamas just like you. Until next time, it's Amy Ehler signing off. Much love, mamas. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the Mama Truth Show with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. And make sure to visit mamatruthcircle.com to become part of our free community of soulful mamas. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>